Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Urente on Antonio of the podcast. You can't turn your eyes away, but you want to. And today I'm joined by the concussion sub of the podcast, Darren Driver. Take everything he says with a pinch of salt. And finally, the refereeing controversy of the podcast. Is he interfering or not? It's Josh Hobbs. Josh, how are you? <laughs> yeah, doing well. Hopefully I'm um... I'm not interfering, but yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, doing well. It's good to have you on. It's been a, a little while since we've had you on one of these podcasts. Brentford, I think. Wow. That was the last, last one I did. So you must have lots of beef that you've been storing up since then and <laughs> anger and disappointment <laughs> yeah. and all of those emotions that you love so much. I was feeling good after the Burnley game. I, was, I mean, I won't try and say it was the best performance we've, we've ever had, but there were things that were better. Uh, and then, yeah, obviously yesterday's quite deflating. Some Some good things that we'll we'll talk about but yeah the second half particularly I've I just I was on a real downer by the end of the game but there you go and a man who's never on a real downer at the end of games Darren Driver Darren how are you <laughs> I'm all right no I was on a real downer this morning when I had to rewatch it um after working until midnight last night um so that that was my downer but I'm I'm all right you know I mean like I don't take the cup seriously anyway I think it's a bit of a nonsense uh, and the only thing I'm interested in is league performance and league points more than that at the moment. So whatever happened yesterday happened. I'm not I'm not that that asked about it to be honest. So we're going to do things slightly different today. So we what we will do is we will do the interrogation as always and just have a have a bit of an in-depth talk about the game yesterday. But then in the second half we will maybe talk about some slightly more big picture stuff questions about the second half of the season in particular. Um and uh, yeah, we'll we'll cut over, we'll jump over a few of the usual things that we do. So I won't give you a long game summary. I don't think anyone needs a long game summary. But obviously, the game that we're talking about is uh, the two nil loss to West Ham, which was a goal scored sort of what was it thirty five minutes ish? Yeah, it was just George's... over half an hour, I think. Thirty three. 
Okay, just towards the the end of the first half, and then obviously West Ham got a goal right at the end when Leeds were pushing up from from a corner in injury time, so ended up being two nil. Um, and I think the most interesting thing, thing about this game is going to be talking about some of the youngsters who came through. Uh, so we'll get onto that in due course. But let's just jump in with the interrogation questions. Darren, I'll start with you. I think we were all in agreement that yesterday was a good performance given the circumstances. Uh, and obviously, given the circumstances is doing some heavy lifting there, depending on how you look at it. But um, my question then is, do you think that we're in danger of being happy about games where we aren't getting turned over easily? I think possibly to a degree. I think, I think as you say, the context in which we're operating at the moment is doing a lot of heavy lifting. So with, with you know, 11 uh, injuries in the squad, which... You know, you, we can debate, and we have we have said all along that 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 um, some preparation towards kind of managing that, um, having a bigger squad, having a having a squad that hasn't been so heavily run into the ground over the last three years might have helped. But I do think that you can't take away the context that all the, all of those players are out. So I think, and um, I think I think I'm just been thinking, trying to con- when I read this question, I was trying to con. Uh, contrast between how I thought about last season and how I'm thinking about things this season. So last season, really, the the only games that I went into, kind of writing them off before kickoff, were probably the the Liverpool uh, and and Man United, Man City games. And obviously, we did manage to get results in 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 some of those. And in the rest, I thought there was a reasonable degree of chance that we'd that we'd be in them, that there'd be competitive games, that that we would stay in them until late in the game if we lost. And, uh, you know, there's probably a bit of naivety on my part there because clearly there were some teams last season who were a lot better than us um, and who we lost to. But this season, I really do feel like that unless we're playing a team who is kind of very much in that bottom six, bottom seven part of the the table I'm really kind of writing that game off mentally before before the kickoff and that doesn't feel like a particularly good place to be nor is it a place I expected to be at the start of the season although I did expect this season to be less fun than last season and less kind of swashbuckling or whatever I didn't perhaps quite anticipate the level of drop-off that a kind of that a 2-0 loss to West Ham in the FA Cup feels kind of vaguely fine um, and and that when I'm thinking about the league game coming this weekend I'm thinking well if we manage to have a competitive game with them but still lose that's also kind of all right and I, I can't it feels it feels like a not particularly good place to be emotionally for the rest of the season kind of <laughs> writing you know half the games off effectively um, before kickoff. Yeah, Josh, I'll come to you on this because I think the the interesting thing for me was the difference between the first and the second half, where in the first half we start with three under-23s who really haven't played much senior football against a team who are, you know, pretty much Premier League strength apart from their defence. Their defence is a little bit weak at the moment. Um, And then in the second half, we brought on basically better players in in almost every position and it didn't feel as though the the standard raised particularly higher than than it was in the first half so what's your take on on this sort of thing yeah i mean that's basically why i said what i said right at the start in that i felt sort of miserable by the end of the game because i felt like we got worse and the actually the thing that i was looking forward to yesterday was seeing bait get a solid amount of time like obviously 45 minutes is more than he's ever <laughs> had before it's not like he got a it's not like he was given a five minute sub at the end of the game um so we did get to see him play um greenwood i i can't say i was hugely asked about beforehand but i i think he did okay for himself considering um 
but yeah, you, when you see Dallas come on, you see Rafinha for sure. They they come on that that should make us stronger. But I th- I felt that we couldn't sort of progress the ball. We couldn't really just do much at all until the very end with that Dan James chance. Um, and then I think there was one. It might have been in the first half. I can't remember. But there was one that just sort of hit Harrison from a few yards out as well. And that seventy odd minutes that was obviously. Yeah. So they they were both second half. Okay. But they they felt like, like even though they were close range, that I think the Harrison one didn't necessarily feel like a great chance. It felt like it might have just hit him and gone in. Whereas the James one, I think, felt like a oh that's actually a decent cross, and he's just not quite managed to adjust himself to finish it, but. Yeah, I, on the actual question of are we in danger of just being happy about games where we don't get thrashed? Um, maybe, but I, I think maybe only in the, I'll only feel that way for the short term, like where it's like this is still soon after when we've been absolutely pummeled by City and Arsenal. And we, we're fortunate that that Liverpool game didn't happen because I think we would have been pummeled three games in a row. Um so for now, it feels like, hey, at least we can, like, we we tried to come back in that game. We tried to make that one all. And obviously, we got game stated with, with the uh, the second goal. But I also didn't necessarily think we would score. And that, that's disappointing. I just watched, felt like for a whole half an hour, I was just thinking, I just want this game to end. Yep. Agreed. I'm going to try and move us on to more positive things now because uh, I don't want us to, to fall into the abyss quite so early into the podcast. But Sorry, everyone who's switched off already. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. We didn't mean to do that. I'm going to say a positive thing followed by uh, maybe a negative thing. So I thought it was a really solid performance out of possession for the most part. But the big question is always... Did we create enough? So we had a couple of questions on this. AW asked, maybe we need to chat the dreaded XG thing again, crying face emoji. How do we create something next week? And Nat Ellis asked, is our lack of creativity a systems thing or a player's thing? Josh, what do you make of that? So in the first half yesterday, I wouldn't have expected us to create a lot, given that we had Harrison James and Greenwood as our as our front three. Um in the second half, I then think we... So we brought on... A sh- James became our striker because Greenwood came off. Bate came off and Dallas went into midfield. And I think the personnel there isn't... That's not conducive to us creating a lot of chances either. I think, say you leave Bate on there and uh, even leave... I mean, leave it as it is apart from maybe bring Rafinha on for one of the wingers. And I think that that maybe creates more because you have Click making off-ball runs. You have Bate, who's better, I think, in terms of progressing the ball up the pitch. Dallas, is that is not what he does apart from if there's space to run into. Um, and I think that that could have created better chances. But generally, this is a thing that we have. That's not. It was not just yesterday. It's a thing we've had all season. I think that... I think the system could still work if we had the players with the correct attributes to actually make these things happen. Like, I don't think we've got, um, like, as I said, Dallas is not a, not someone that can progress the play through the middle of the pitch. If you had for sure click and whoever's playing the DM behind, or, or say in this scenario it was bait, click, for sure's playing the DM behind, Cox playing the DM behind, then you have two wingers and a striker that should be better but 
I, I think we we're, we're too often we've just got runners in our in our system and therefore we can't actually create anything. There's there's no individual nous in there. Yeah, they're runners, but they're not runners with individual skill who are going to create something uh, through through a piece of clever skill or movement. Are they? I think I think that's I think that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. The system has worked well before. The system isn't working as well as it as it used to, and and you can you can think about what the what the reasons for that might be. Um, but but yesterday, I just don't think we had. I think there was, there was just a, a lack of in of, of individual quality on the pitch um at moments so i think i think we are really feeling i really did feel the lack of a proper number nine yesterday i think i think greenwood has got you know skills but i just i just don't think that um he was able to lead the line in in a in a way obviously like bamford would but but equally wasn't able to really do the things that even gelhart does where he, he drops off and links up the play and, and and picks up the ball and runs at defenders so i just i just think yesterday it was it was always going to be a bit of a struggle um but in the first half we were able to progress the ball reasonably well through the thirds and in the second half we weren't and that just felt much 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 more frustrating as a result one of the things i talked about a lot at the beginning of the season actually was tempo um and it feels as though that's what's changed this season compared to last season it feels and even in in that game itself i felt in the first half we had okay tempo okay things didn't come off and as you say there's a lack of quality in in some of the players but at least we it felt as though we were we were attacking in a sustainable way whereas I think in the second half all that happens is it just gets more and more frenetic and that okay that does generate chances it does it did lead to uh, that situation where as you've said the the ball bounces off off Harrison uh, and then the other one where where James can't manage to get his body shape right but in both of those cases it just feels it feels just a little bit like everything's so 100 miles an hour we don't ever give ourselves a situation where we're going to have a controlled shot at the end of it um so obviously the first chance i think was a click had a shot basically that went wide and no one could really divert it in Uh, and in the second one i think you know it it was an okay ball in i think that um craig dawson was shielding the ball a little bit from view from from james which probably made it harder for him um but also it was just a really it was a really pinged ball in and um uh, i I just feel as though everything that we do is is 100 miles an hour and, and when we bring on rafinha all that happens is that that speed intensifies it goes up and we don't we just don't attack in a, in a particularly um sustainable way for the players that we have I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on that yeah I agree I agree I think tempo has been has been a big problem all season and and um it's kind of one of the one of the Rafinha conundrums I know we're going to come on to talk about him later but but that is the is the player most likely to to come up with something but at the same time he is also the player most likely to waste the ball by trying to do something more quickly than than perhaps is optimal for the team yeah, wouldn't disagree. Let's talk a little bit about a tactical tweak, actually, in possession that we noticed yesterday. And this maybe adds to, to what we were talking about insofar as it does seem as though Leeds are trying to get forward more directly, more quickly at the moment. But on rewatching, we noticed that, that Dan James was inverting quite a bit and going a lot more central and high, um, like a second striker. And we noticed that Leo Yeldo was barely passing to Junior Tall in the in the left back area, uh, and it feel, felt as though we were trying to go right to then play a, a switch to to the left. What do you think this was about, Darren? So principally, I think it was. I think there were probably two or three things, but I think the main thing was that we were trying to horseshoe the ball around principally the the, the back four, but including the goalkeeper in that. So Melier, Yelda, um Urente and Alien were kind of holding the possession and we were trying to create a situation where Urente had space and Junior had made a run up the left into space and we were trying to hit that 
hit that diagonal so that so that we could we could create a bit of space for Junior because Dan James was perhaps pulling his man inside a little bit and that created some yardage for Junior to run into. So I think that did and that did work a couple of times. Now obviously what that's dependent on is Urente hitting the pass perfectly. And obviously he's, he's although he has got that pass in his locker it's not something which he consistently manages to achieve so I think that there is a kind of bit of a a bit of a um a bit of an insular uh thing to that um I also think that there were a couple of times when yeah when maybe the pass um from Hjelde to Firpo uh, was on but but Firpo was probably quite tightly marked or Bowen was well positioned to to spring into a press if we did pass to him and all that would have happened would have been that recycling back to Hjelda, back to Urente. So I think that those were the two things that I kind of saw. I don't know whether you saw anything different, Hobsey. I think with Hjelde not playing it to Junior, I think sometimes maybe that might have been a tactical thing and sometimes that was a like almost like he didn't, I didn't feel like he opened out his body as he received the ball, as he could have done. Um, and so, therefore, he didn't open up sort of potential angles to himself. Um, I've noted that, like, some people thought that he wasn't, like, he was really, really safe uh, with the ball. And I, I didn't necessarily think that, but I think at times he was, and that's totally fair enough, considering it was his first start against players of, of this kind of quality. Um yeah, it, it may well have been a tactical thing, as you say, that because Junior did get like a lot of free space on a couple of occasions. Uh, but I also felt <laughs> I felt like his first touch receiving high balls is is not great. So it felt like we got him into that position, and then he he couldn't really do that much with it. It's interesting that this has happened after we've had quite a longish break over Christmas. So I wonder whether or not we've been working on some maybe some tactical adjustments to try and develop more attacking edge. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, I think, against maybe teams who, who are a little bit more easy to get at them than West Ham, perhaps. But let's move on and talk about the 23s who are playing. I know, I know that you two are recording a episode of 23s Aren't We this week, so you will do a v- pretty big debrief of the players uh, on that podcast but I'm interested to hear your your sort of quick opinions on the 23s you play so Josh what did you make of the the youngsters who are on yeah I mean as I said already and if anyone follows me on Twitter I was very disappointed that uh, Bate came off after a half I felt he could have easily played for an hour Um, that would have been fair I think Um, yeah, I think I the thing I really liked was that I, I felt like he was really sort of directing play. Um, if you watch it back, he's he's signalling all over the place and call, like he's really vocal and calling for the ball a lot. And you you'll see a lot of under twenty threes players not not be as confident uh, as that. And he do, he wasn't quite um, like he didn't do a lot of his ball carrying that you might see from him uh, in PL two. I didn't think we saw all of his sort of press resistant qualities. But I think what we saw is is good, sensible use of the ball, uh, and a midfielder doing the things that a midfielder should should be doing. Uh, Hjelde, I think um, I think he had a great game. Um, not perfect, uh, but who was expecting perfect? Um, uh, but he dealt with Antonio really, really well. A couple of times he got done rolled by him. A couple of times he was forced to foul him because he couldn't get in front of him. But he dealt with him really well. Um, a shame about the goal where Vlasic, I think that was one time where he was a bit too tight. 
uh, to him and so Vlasic could could spin him and then even then though you think he's done well to to make the block and take the sting off the shot and you know it's it's desperately unlucky and a bit crap officiating uh, that 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 ends up as a goal um and then Greenwood I think most of us probably didn't think Greenwood would be able to cope um I don't think that he didn't cope but I also think that he didn't exactly do that well like he he did he ran about he pressed a bit uh but I think he got knocked off the ball a couple of times a bit too easily he took some shots where I think he shouldn't have taken shots um but he's obviously he's trying to prove himself he he's he's behind the pecking or uh behind Gelhart in the pecking order I think he's probably going to go out on loan um yeah, I I don't think we'll be seeing him much in in the Premier League. As a very brief summary, I think I think Bate did okay, but was probably on the bottom end of what I expected from him um, in in terms of his impact on the game. I thought Hjelda was really really good defensively, and although he did get rolled for the goal, as you say, I think he did make a fantastic uh, recovery challenge, which which he was very unlucky that we conceded from. Um, I thought Greenwood looked most obviously like a twenty three stepping up to a Premier League level and, and, and really struggled to meaningfully impact the game at all. Uh, I thought Drame, similarly to Greenwood, looked like he was really struggling to to adapt to the game when he came on. And I thought Somerville looked looked lively and sharp and started to look like he might do some of the things that we've seen him do in the 23s. But given his minutes were quite limited, you know, I think it's difficult to say. But I think that would be my kind of brief summary on, on those, those five players. Yeah, and as I say, um, if anyone wants to get a more in-depth uh, debrief of the 23s then this week's 23s aren't we episode will be dropping uh, probably even Wednesday Thursday um, so look out for that uh, one final question then in the interrogation are people justified in getting worried about Rafinha so we had uh, a question from Stephen Elliott who says has Rafinha actually been good as people make out this season um, or is or has, are his performances being masked by goals and assists very often Rafinha's our only only hope of creating anything or scoring, um, and that's that's played out a lot of times this season. And <laughs> in reaction to that, you, I think we've we've noticed quite often um, teams defending their left hand side more robustly than they do their right hand side, and that happened yesterday, even when it was Harrison on the left rather than Rafinha. I know Rafinha moved more centrally um, as well. Um, I and you know I'm on record a lot as saying that that whilst I appreciate that that Rafinha is a great player, a great individual moments player. He's got, you know, great, great skills. I, I really do get frustrated with, with the, the way that he wastes the ball. Now, I don't think he did that quite as much yesterday. I think he did it a little bit. Um, but, but I think, I think with Rafinha is one of those players where because he will come up with that moment once every other game or he'll come up with an assist or, or a goal, you know, fa- with fairly, fairly, um, consistent regularity. I think you do. I've I've come to accept that that there are going to be moments in games when I'm really frustrated with him because he's made the wrong decision, or accept that he's, the ball's going to come to him and he's going to be too crowded out to do anything about it with two or three players around him. Um, and I think I think there aren't many players in world football who would be able to cope with being closed down by as many players as Rafinha is being at the moment, particularly when he's playing in the wide area. So. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it is a challenging season for him, be, be, partly because of that. Um, but but I do, th- yeah, I still think that he's really our best chance in any game of getting anything out of that game, I th- I, and I don't think that's up for debate, really. I think he's been more direct and more wasteful this season, as Darren said. Obviously, like I wrote an article about that, like 
I don't know, within about five games of the season where I, I thought that it was clearly a pattern of that was how he was kind of playing uh, this season. I, I personally believe it's that we, we're we not getting the ball to him high up the pitch uh, like like we did last season. We saw him get in behind fullbacks quite a lot uh, last season. We saw him get um, to the byline and cut back despite the fact that he was playing <clears throat> on the right-hand side and he's a left footer. I think he was the most effective player in the league uh, for creating chances from cutbacks. Um, and I, I can't think of the last time I saw that, probably Rafinha getting to the byline to cut back for click uh, against West Ham. That would have put us 2-0 uh, up in, in the league game. Um, I, I don't remember the last time I've seen him make a chance like that, apart from that. Um and I think it's more often we get him the ball like 40 yards from goal and then he goes on a sort of diagonal run or pings it to the, the back stick to where there's someone trying to make a desperate run. But isn't the fact that... So, yeah, he gets the ball on halfway or 40 yards from goal, like, accepts that, and then he then he tries to do something spectacular, either a pass or a dribble to, to move. But very often when he does that, there is an easier ball on that he could that he could find, and then he could make a run into a more advanced position to get it to him. So isn't isn't he part of that kind of oh, process? I think, I think he probably is part of it, in the, but I also think it's sort of... I think that perhaps it's broken down over time of like I don't trust that I will get the ball back where I where I need to get it back whereas I th- I think if we had a a good creative midfielder in there who can get the ball to him in a better position I think he would take up better positions to start with and he would give the ball to them knowing that he would get the ball back from them um I think he I think he does have a good understanding with Rodrigo I think he's played some of his best stuff with Rodrigo, um, but Rodrigo obviously has has his other issues on the team. But I I think he has a positive uh, effect on Rafinha. One final thing on this: we saw Rafinha basically playing as an eight yesterday. Did you have any thoughts on that, Josh? Uh, I don't want to see it. <laughs> he's a, he's a winger. You want him, you want him high up the pitch, and you want him wide, and you want him to be able to beat fullbacks one on one and get into the box. It felt like a desperation thing to me that there just wasn't there just wasn't anybody else to take up that role or whatever. And I I agree with Hobbsy that that if we are going to use him, like I thought, he, you know, I thought he strung some of the play together reasonably well yesterday. But but it was in a game where West Ham were at that point in the game content to sit back and that that we had the ball and and um, but I, I think in in the cut and thrust of a league game where a result is really really required, I don't want to see it at all. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Well, that brings us to the end of the interrogation. What we're going to do for the rest of our time is just talk a little bit, I think, about the second half of the season. So at the moment, we are um, halfway through the Premier League season. Uh, and uh, I guess looking at the table, it's, it's not ideal, but we are in a position where we look um, to be in a much better position than than obviously the teams below us. Um, so we had a question from Jamie on the Discord channel who said, uh, who asked the question, other than just buying better players, what can we do to improve our chance creation this season? I thought we would just expand that just in general to the second half of the season so um my question to you two and we'll just have a discussion on this is what what sort of things do you think that we can be doing practically that will improve the second half of the season um other than just sort of personnel things in terms of you know oh well bring in better players hope that bamford develops some kind of um uh, fitness um etc uh, etc et so um we'll do one at, we'll, we'll do sort of one at a time maybe bet- between us but um who wants to kick off who's got any any suggestions about things that we could do in the second half of the season that might actually make us look a little bit better without just simply changing the, the premises of of what leeds united are as a squad i think that we need to somehow improve our creativity centrally and the way that I can think of doing that with with what we've got available to us is to play Mate's click in every game because I I, I do accept that that click has, is not as um as capable perhaps as he once was but I do think he's also the the the, the player that we've got in in the squad particularly in the midfield advanced midfield areas who understands the system the best and who can can make the the smartest runs and who can try and pick out passes that will facilitate his teammates getting into good positions so I think I think to some extent you're going to have to accept the take the rough with the smooth accept that probably his, his off-ball defensive work isn't as good as it once was it's still in my view, stronger than that of probably of Rodrigo, and I, and I think Click understands the system better and is more able to facilitate that kind of that kind of build up and play. So I think that would be one one area that that we could definitely look at. Yeah, what do you think of this, Josh? Because um, I guess one of the things that we've seen more recently is, um, I suppose, Forshaw coming back in, and like whatever Forshaw is, he isn't a particularly creative player in that sense. So, do you think that we've suffered from just having one player in Click, really, who in the central midfield space, who's going to be that sort of creative linchpin? My answer to this question overall would have been like pick players who best suit the positions rather than rather than trying to uh, just, like in what we saw in the second half yesterday, we saw that positional merry-go-round that happens with Bielsa so often in the second halves. Once he makes some subs, we see players play, we see Dallas play three different positions within 20 minutes. And just the team has no structure anymore, no sort of rhythm. Uh, I would like to see uh, a situation where, yeah, I would say that Click is the one that best suits that position even though I think we have to move on from him uh, and improve on that role um, I think as it is right now he's the one who I definitely think as Darren says makes the movements that others don't so he he makes that run from central to like the wide part of the box every time he makes that run and that allows us to overload the wings which is a huge part of what the Bielsa attack has been like at Leeds. So then that creates the space for it would be Bamford to, to uh, be open in the box. It creates the space for the left winger because you've got, you've got your right back, you've got your attacking midfielder, you've got your right winger all in the same spot and then drawing players away. 
we just don't we don't see that i think with uh with the other players that that have played that role um as you said about for sure um yeah as a, i'd you know if we could get phillips for sure click together that, that i think that would be our best midfield at the moment so with that not being possible then i would think can we get cock for sure click as as a three for a bit and then you've got click able to do that you've got for sure able to link up the play you've got cock to do the defensive work and play the simple balls to those players um again yeah having ailing at right back as much as possible and not not moving him into center back so uh and i think now we've seen potentially we've got another option that can play center back instead of having to move Ailing into that role because I would have no issue if if uh, Hjelda played there on Sat- on Sunday um he did totally fine um I just don't want to see this thing that that has become uh what what Bielsa has done I think he's I think it happened really since we he got into his second season with us where he he stopped going to who's the next like under 23 off the line up and I, and I will bring them in and he moved it to well I'll just move these senior players around because if you think back to the like the Aston Villa game suddenly Leif Davis was starting when there was an injury to Barry Douglas it wasn't like oh well I'll move Alioski and then and all of that happened but I would rather see him do that with certain players so like Bate, Hilda. I think I wanted to see Drame, and I, I, but I think that hasn't really worked. So I don't think he'll be playing like right back. I also think that maybe the way that um, Bielsa seemed to use Junior in the first half yesterday may indicate that he thinks Junior is a way to support the attacking process on the left and not make us so right dominant as we've as we've been through the season. But I guess that remains to be seen as as the season plays out. Yeah, I I think the weird thing with with Junior is that I think he can bring something to our attack if like if you've seen him from Spain he had a lot of attacking output um but we <laughs> he's brought ba- barely anything in terms of uh, attacking uh to lead so far so yeah getting getting him in those high positions and the low crosses if you heard me speak about him or write about him right at, before he was arriving I was expecting to see him get to the byline and do a lot of pullbacks so if we could finally see that, that could be something that's an, like another string to our, our bow. Isn't this another thing that, dare I mention it, is bad about the man-marking system? Um, because I think there's so many players that we have where we've been, we, we've constantly been like, oh, this player will be good at getting in behind, etc. And then you you bring in someone like Dan James and he spends, when we're, when we're under the cosh, you know, a huge chunk of games just recovery running back and you don't ever get them into those positions because they are always constantly worried about losing their their man marker as well so I, that's the, that's what the thing that struck me with junior is that like you say we both watched a lot of video of him at other clubs where he wasn't necessarily given any defensive responsibility um, and it feels to me like all the negativities that you can have about junior um, stem from that fact that one he's maybe a little bit positionally uh, weak but but also that he's worried about losing his player and so we just don't and as a result of that you don't get to see much of the upside as well as the as the downside right yeah yeah 100 percent. Hobsey did you have any suggestions for, for for things that we could change in the second half of the season yeah, I mean, just what I had said on playing the players in the in the positions that I think best best suit them. I don't think I've got any 
anything else to to add on onto that one other than yeah i don't know force force um rafinha up the pitch a bit more uh and then yeah my other one was just a, this is more of a question the rather than a suggestion of can it um yeah what I, what i would want to do but i i wonder can leeds play uh Bielsa ball and slightly dial down training uh a little bit just at the moment with our crazy injuries um we've got we've got quite a lot of injuries that are happening in training bamford injured again this time in training cresswell injured in training gelhart injured in training um and even even so even if the injuries are not in training like we need to just get players back fit so let's not compromise anyone that might come back is is that physically possible to play in the way that bielsa wants us to play um whilst like i don't know cut out m- murder ball for a bit or something like that is that possible what what do you think i suspect it's possible but if we know anything about bielsa we know that what he's going to do instead is double down on his methods at, at this point because <laughs> kill more players <laughs> because that's just that's just what he's like isn't he? he's a stubborn old goat and um and he he will trust you know he's he's always absolutely trusted his own methods um and We'll, we'll be looking at all the data sets of injuries that he's had at various points throughout his career and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think I think it is possible. I wouldn't mind seeing it, and I actually wouldn't mind us seeing going more a bit more zonal and a bit more um, kind of soak up the pressure and then go go into counter attacking uh, mode. But I, I think that we know that Bielsa is very unlikely to do to do any of that, and that what he's going to do is he's going to keep trying drilling away at the same methods keep using the same training techniques and you know i think he's earned the right to do that to a de- to a degree because because obviously it's been successful for more of the time at leeds and it hasn't but um i do share that concern obviously that that um that you know we're we're always yeah that one more injury away from the crisis deepening and and what seems to happen on a weekly basis is that we get that one more injury um including almost to um the one person who we just absolutely cannot afford to get injured uh, in in the game yesterday, in Melier. But but oh god, yeah. <laughs> my, my life flashed before my eyes. Mine too, mine too. But yeah, that that's kind of my thoughts on it. Really, um, it's a nice thought experiment, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, interesting hearing you talking about us going more zonal because um, I've been doing a lot of watching of of Rio Vallecano at the moment, which is the club in Spain who are managed by Andoni Iriola, um, who is the first subject in my finding Bielsa replacement series videos um he's the topic that I'm looking at and he's a really fascinating guy insofar as he plays a fairly man-to-man um high press that then falls back into a more zonal system and I guess we've seen we've seen that roughly last season perhaps a little bit more um although uh, uh, although he very much does just sort of goes man to man and then drops back into a into a completely zonal um uh, mid block um and I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm just sort of getting getting cabin fever with with Bielsa, but it does it just seems to me that 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 is just such a much better way of of playing, and you can keep a lot of the the upside that you get from a Bielsa system um, in that in the high intensity and the pressing. But you can then what you can do with that is that it does free up the players to be able to play in a possession a possessional sense as I've already mentioned with we've talked about Dan James and and, and Junior uh, we've R- Rafinha I've talked at length this season about how 
certain managers, particularly smart managers, are thinking of ways of moving Rafinha away from their goal as much as possible. So Graham Potter uh, is a, is a great example of that, and he just he basically changed up the the formation they've been using this season in order to get Rafinha further away from um, the Brighton goal. Uh, and I, I just kind of think things like that. I know that, as you've said, Darren, it's just never going to happen. But things like that, I think, would add so much to this squad. Um, insofar as like we 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 do have a lot of players who are are being worked beyond their most useful iteration. I think because of the the man marking system. So I know that I'm preaching to the choir here with both of you, uh, and I also know that Bielsa isn't going to change. But I wondered if if either of you wanted to just vent uh, about about that for for a minute before we before we conclude. I can't do it again. <laughs> I, 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 I can't do another rant on, on man marking. I, I think the one thing that I would say is that, yeah, pre- pressing high man-to-man makes perfect sense to me. When, when you're doing the high press, really committed high press man-to-man makes perfect sense. I think the thing that I've seen quite a few times this season is when we've dropped into something that looks more like a low block, uh, mid-block rather, but stuck to the man marking, which just makes it so easy for people to move our midfield out of the way. It's just it, that that's where it stops being logical to me. Yeah, no same, and uh, no doubt we will have this conversation a lot in the coming months when talk of Bielsa leaving ramps up for better or for worse. <laughs> Right, let's just do the last five minutes just talking about the game at the weekend. Um, obviously, we don't need to do too much by way of uh, previewing, but I'm just interested to hear from the two of you what you think the, the lineup will be uh, at the weekend, or what you would go with. Um, so, Darren, what would your lineup be for the weekend? Yeah, it's really difficult to say, isn't it? Because I don't think we've particularly got anybody coming back um, that, that would especially help the situation unless I've forgotten something I don't I think we I think we're more or less left with the same same squad that we started with yesterday except with Urente now being suspended so I I, I guess it would I I thought Cock did okay when he went to center back and potentially I, junior out potentially well. junior out as well okay so I suspect that what we'll see is <laughs> it's great is, isn't uh, it I suspect we'll see uh, ailing Archie Gray on the bench Archie Gray on the bench starting why not starting obviously <laughs> um start with uh, ailing Cock I think probably Hjelder, I'd be fine with Hjelder playing. Um, I think Dallas will play at left-back. I suspect you'll see Forshaw playing the defensive midfield role with Click. Maybe Bait gets another start. I don't see what else he could do, really. Um, and then Harrison left, Rafinha right, and, and unfortunately Dan James up front. I think that I think that's what we'll see. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I don't really think Greenwood did enough to really force his way into consideration for another start yesterday. Josh? Yeah, I mean, I agree that Greenwood didn't, but then also, who else is going to play there other than James? And I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. He can play, like, I'd, contrary to belief, I don't hate James on the left. I think, I think he can be, I think he can be all right on the left. I think he, I mean, he's limited, but I think he can be effective in doing certain things if you can get that happening. Up front, I just don't think he's effective in any way, shape or form. Um, it's just so easy for their defenders. Um, obviously, he, he had that one chance, but other than that, nothing at all uh, in, in, the, in the second half. Um, yeah, I think I would start, I think I would start Hjelda uh, and then keep ailing at, at right back. Um, Cock will obviously be playing centre back. If Junior's playing, then Junior's in, and then I guess the midfield will be Dallas, uh, Dallas Click, and uh, for sure behind them. 
and then it would be Rafinha. I I I think I'd start Greenwood again. Rafinha, Greenwood, James, Paul Harrison. Yeah, that that would be. I mean, for me, I <laughs> I would not start Dallas in midfield, but that's what I think will happen. And we don't really have a huge amount of other options. <laughs> no, I, I, what I would say is I feel positive that Bate might make another appearance. He might make a Premier League debut off the bench, but partly just because I don't know what else Bielsa is going to be able to do. His The sub options are going to be... Harrison. Yeah, Harrison, Somerville, Bate. I think they'll be the ones that he... Like in, in his pecking order that he has, which I think we have to say Bates jumped up in the pecking order to suddenly have started. Like he he would, maybe now he will be a, a someone that's actually considered worthy of coming off the bench rather than just symbolic place on the bench. He's barely been having any of those even. Right? No, I know. But you, but now that we have that huge subs bench, I think some like some players are just put on there as a, well, this is where you sit in the in the rankings. But... But you're not coming on. <laughs> yeah, well, we will watch with bated breath, no pun intended, to see what happens at the weekend. But that does bring us to the end of the podcast. Josh, you have a video coming out about Leo Yelder, I believe. Yeah, yeah, nearly done. Hopefully finish that later today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to put a video out about the game tactics, but I am working, as I said, on, on a Bielsa replacement video series. And uh, hopefully I'll get a big chunk of that done this week with with um, Andoni Iriola, as I've said, of, of Rio Vallecano. So uh, if either of those two things sound interesting to you, then head over to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash all stats, aren't we? Uh, and that brings us to the end of the podcast. So all there is for me to do is to say thank you, Josh. Cheers, mate. Thank you, Darren. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 